Hello and welcome to the Give Yourself the Chat podcast. I'm your host, Peter Lewis, and this show is all about leadership, coaching, and living a life of high performance. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Give Yourself the Chat podcast, another episode. And I'm delighted to say that I've got uh, Paul Robinson, ex-professional footballer, currently a development coach at Birmingham City FC. Uh, Paul, how are you doing, mate? Nice to see you. Morning, Peter. How are you? All good, yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm doing very well. It's lovely to see you. Um, for the benefit of the listener, you, you and I are, are personal friends. We, we kind of met through your good lady wife many years ago. Um, and, and also, I'm, I'm a little bit giddy with excitement because I'm interviewing somebody from uh, a club um, that I'm passionate about. I've been a, a lifelong Watford supporter for uh, 40 plus years now. And that's where it all kind of started for you, Paul. So we will go into that. But first of all, How's things with you in lockdown? How's life for somebody involved in professional football in lockdown? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's been strange. Um, obviously, not not working at the moment. I'm furloughed, so because um, I work in the academy, so we're not really wanted around the building, and we can't just because of the numbers. The first team are training at the moment. Obviously, get themselves ready for the season to start again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been brilliant as well. At the same time, I've never had this chance to spend time with the family after 22 years. So for me, it's it's been real good, important family time to just enjoy each other's company, um, help my boys homeschooling, help my wife try and develop her, her pathway of acupuncture and that now. So so yeah, I've loved every minute of it. That is, that is amazing. I mean, I mean, I know, you know, for the, for the average man in the street, you know, it can feel quite a distant sort of, professional professional footballers they're up there but actually you saying you've been furloughed you're homeschooling your kids that's all pretty normal stuff isn't it and you know it's just um it's quite amazing so tell me about so you said 22 years of playing and not really having you know that family time is really quite difficult I mean how little were you seeing of your family during a, a classic sort of season well I mean were you just away all the time and just sort of breezing in and out yeah, I mean, you generally would see your, your children only late afternoon, early evening. Um, obviously, with training, travelling would have games at night as well during the season. So, seven forty-five kickoffs. Um, it'd be quite difficult to have that real good quality time with them. And then in the summer, we'd only really get six weeks off. And you think my boys are still at school? Then um, we then just get our fourteen-day holiday when we needed to. The boys then, obviously, when I go back to work they're off for their summer holidays. So yeah. there's that interchanging of, of not really having a lot of time together. Yeah. So it was really difficult. And it, and it was, like you say, Christmas was hard. You were never around for Christmas with games, the amount of games that were going on. Um, so yeah, for me, this, this time has been really important for me. And also it's, it's, it gives you a, a clear thinking of what's really important in life. Um, yeah. And that quality time with my children of what I've missed out on over the years was so important to me that I wanted to I wanted to just spend that time with them, um, help them with their schoolwork. Obviously, I've educated yeah. myself a lot more now <laughs> to what I did when I was a kid growing up. Yeah, tell me about it. And that's but that's been interesting. Um, yeah. And and my wife, obviously, she's she's done most of the work with ferrying the boys around to school to sports when I'm not around, and to help her do that stuff and and be part of the family's been a real a real eye-opener for me and I've loved every minute of it. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at homeschooling, I mean, what they how they teach kids to do maths now. I mean, we go back some. We've been around the block a bit, the pair of us, and it's like, it's unrecognisable, isn't it? So you've probably yeah. had a, 
a steep learning curve yourself, haven't you? You have to get your head yeah. around all that kind of stuff. Um, well, it's scary because when the kids ask you a question, you're like thinking, oh, yeah, I really don't know this one, yeah. but I'm not going to show it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to show it. Yeah, can't do that. Because I know your, your eldest is kind of reaching that age where thinking about, you know, exams and university and beyond and stuff. Like that. So yeah. making the most of it is, is, is brilliant. I mean, my kids are older. Um, my daughter turned 18, which is interesting, having an 18th birthday in lockdown. I mean, that was you kind of make it special really you kind of go a little bit harder on the celebration and stuff and my son is george is you know you know he's um sort of in the first year of gcse so i think i think if we hadn't had wi-fi life would have been a lot tougher that's for sure oh, no, it's, yeah um it's, it's yeah you know, all these things so efl starts premier league starts this week we're recording this um when football is coming back it's going to go back into you know, it's thrown the kind of season out, but we're going to see if we can get everything finished off. One yeah. thing that I want to ask you, Paul, is that, you know, how do you think the players are going to react to playing in empty stadiums with just a, a handful of coaching staff and, and everything else like that? And teams are talking about playing fan recordings and chants and everything over the tannoy. But what, what do you think is going to be the kind of the effect on players in that kind of environment? See, this for me now, this this testing period of what the, all, all the players are going to have to cope with is this is going to be a mindset thing and a motivational side mm-hmm. of, of the game. And as individuals, how are you going to prepare yourself, not only as that individual player, but as a team player, knowing that there's no one in the ground, you've got to create your own atmosphere. So it's yeah. going to be very strange for the players and, and it will. It will feel like it's a testimonial game to them all. But yeah. there's a lot there's a lot at stake. There's there's still relegations. There's still promotions to be won. Um, so you can't go into any of them games with a negative mindset. You've got to be fully focused on getting them points and making sure that you're doing your best job to your best ability. Yeah, it's it's going to be weird, isn't it? I mean, have you ever played behind closed doors competitively, you know, training perhaps, but not, have you ever played a match behind closed doors? Only only training games, yeah. yeah. And obviously the, the odd friendly at St. George's where uh, no one's allowed to come in and watch. Yeah. And it, it, it is strange. It is strange because you can hear all your voices. Your voices echo. It's it's that, oh God, like I can hear my own voice. It, I'm, it's, it does. It plays with your mind. It does play with your mind. But you've got to get yourself focused. And, and there's a lot of money at stake. There is a lot of money at stake for a lot of teams now because obviously they're going to lose the revenue that's coming in. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't want to be that team that's in the bottom three looking to get relegated or, you, like you say, you're in the top two and you and you get knocked out by that third place it's yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna have a real knock on effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tell me about it. I mean, I, as a, as a Watford fan, I'd I'd prefer it if they suspended the the season and and we sort of <laughs> stuck because I think we're at fourth from bottom. But it's going to be roller coaster for us as fans because I know you're, you're first and foremost you're a fan of football. Um, so I'm looking forward to coming back. But tell me what what is so when I when I'm a fan sat there in in the stadium and you know and the atmosphere really 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 builds. What, what's that like? Give us a sense of what that's like as a, as a player because it's just a wall of noise and you've got to focus. I mean, you've lived with it, so it might be hard to explain, but give, give us a sense of what that is like when you've got 20, 30-odd thousand people either getting on your back or, or, yeah. or getting behind you. What's it like? Yeah, I mean, the ones that, the ones that are right behind you, um, it gives you a buzz. You get, you get goosebumps on the back of your neck. It's... It's that pride, it's that passion of playing at home and, and wanting to get three points for the home fans to celebrate with everyone. And then obviously when you play away, it's that, 
oh my gosh, these are a bit, these are a bit vile towards you and you've got to cope with it. You can't nibble, you can't bite at the fans when you're over by the hoardings. Yeah. You've just got to smile and you've got to accept it. But it's all part of the game and 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 it's that it's that whole buzz, it's the whole atmosphere of of playing and and knowing that you're you're playing in them stadiums full of fans either cheering you on or jeering you. It, it's just it's just everything. Emotions, the whole lot comes together as one. But it is, it's it's a it's just a, it's a great feeling. It is a great feeling. Yeah, yeah. You miss it? I did at the start, um, but now I don't because I've got to a point where I had 22 years of it and I was very lucky that I never had any injuries. And if you said to someone, my gosh, you had 22 years at the highest level and you never had an injury, I'd take that all day. Um, yeah. And the fact is now that I can, I can look back on that I had immense pride of what I achieved through the highs and through the lows because there were some lows where I had to get through some difficult times um, and I can look back on that with pride and, and and also all four boys got to see me play and my wife obviously so yeah. it, it does you can look back on having great memories but no now I, now my main focus is on helping people trying to develop the young boys to have the same mentality yes I know they're not going to be like me because I'm a one-off um, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a different breed to, to how they're produced now but yeah it's trying to instill the basics into them of how, what it, what it's like that mentality wise, how you come across as a professional and how you do the right things, not only just on the pitch, but off the pitch. Yeah. It's, I mean, your, your career kind of spans that, that period of, you know, when you think back to, was it sort of 96, was that your kind of first Yeah, 96 was my first debut. Yeah. 17. Yeah. Now, am I right in sign Luton Town? Was that? Luton Town. Yeah, yes, so against our so, local rivals, people. yeah, I was going to say so. So any Watford listeners will know that. I mean, if you're going to pitch into any game against you know your local rivals, it is always one there. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that in a moment. But your career kind of spans '96, um, starting off with uh, Watford youth team and working through to the first team there. You know, and I, yeah. I told you, um, Wikipedia says you had 252 appearances, which you know. Um, I mean, by any standard, that that's a that's a lot. That's a you know a real kind of commitment to a club. Then West Bromwich Albion, Bolton Wanderers, Leeds United, then ending up at, at Birmingham. Um, capped three times for um, England under twenty ones, which again is a huge yeah. achievement in itself. Um, and for a defender, eighteen goals is it over your your career? Is that correct? It was. Yeah, yeah eighteen goals. Yeah, surprising. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's brilliant. But to your point about going through a career as a defender, injury-free and having such longevity, I mean, there's an element of luck there, Paul. I get that. But yeah. what do you think? Kind of, you know, there's you and 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 a lot of it that your kind of your your mates that you um you, you kind of went through. A lot of you had that kind of longevity and resilience. But what what do you think was made you different in that regard? Why, why were you so lucky? I looked, I looked, I looked after my body. Um, I, took it, I took it seriously after um, each year the game was changing. So you knew when the game was changing, your sports science, your yoga come into it, your meditation stuff come into it. Yeah. Um, and I loved all that. I loved new ideas, interested in everything that was, that was going to help me. Um, stretching. I used to stretch all the time to make sure I was flexible. Hot, hot and cold baths. Just, just relaxing, relaxing the legs, knowing that you've worked them really hard. Yeah. Gym sessions, just working on your strength and conditioning. Um, I, I looked at it as I, I needed to be the ultimate professional, and I needed to be an example because I worked around a lot of young kids as well. So, yeah. I wanted to show the younger players of what it was like to be the ultimate professional. Even though some days I'd, I'd hurt, I would be hurting, 
but yeah. I wouldn't show it. I wouldn't yeah. show it to them. I would get through the pain barrier and then I'd be away from them and then I'd, I'd feel that pain because I knew my body was coming to, it was getting older and it, I was feeling more of the effects of the intensity of training. And, and was that something that you, because, you know, back in 96, it was a very different world. You know, the idea of sports science and everything else like that was mm. just a glint in some kind of researcher's eye or psychologist's eye. Have you always like that? Or did somebody kind of take you to one side Say, that, Robert, if you want a career here, you got to kind of knuckle down and do this. Is there, was there anyone in, in your kind of background? You know, I know you've played for the man himself, Graham Taylor, but I mean, mm-hmm. how influential were your mentors in shaping that attitude, would you say? Yeah, when you, when you talk about people like Graham Taylor, uh, Kenny Jackett, who's my youth team manager, John McDermott, Jimmy Gilligan, and even Nigel Gibbs, the experienced pros, you would always listen to them. You would always watch them. Um, but... Before that, there was never there was none of this sports science. So yeah. for me, I was just a kid. I was seventeen. I would yeah. finish a game on a Saturday, and I'd still go and play football with my mates in the streets <laughs> at night. Seriously, just because just because I loved the game, and yeah, I was no I was no different. I, w- I was just a kid wanting to play football all the time, and I, I wasn't fussed about. I, you never thought oh, I wasn't going to get injured or I'm doing something wrong. I was just being a kid, and I was just having fun. Um, now it now it gets too serious. Now the game of football, there's a lot of money at stake. There's there's a lot of insurance on younger players. If they do do something silly, they can't do these things anymore. Um, so there's a lot of restrictions for the younger boys to be kids and enjoy themselves, which is a shame because I feel you need to have that release and you need to switch off on what is an intense sport. Yeah. Um, but no, for me, it was just about being a kid growing up. And then gradually as I got older, it wasn't, I was always serious about my, my job. Yeah. But it, for me, it was being more professional. It was looking after my body and, and doing the right things. Yes, I could. I still let me head down and have a drink and yeah. eat some picky foods every now and then. But I knew the right times when to do that. And I knew yeah. the right times when to eat properly and when to drink the right things. Yeah. And I think I mean, you mentioned some of those luminaries there in you know, the great and the good from, from Watford. Uh, and a lot of fans will recognise that. But, you know, I'm, I'm often reminded when I think of these things about, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson taking people like Ryan Giggs aside one day. Because Ryan, you know, in the back in the day was always making the, the headlines for the wrong kind of reasons, that playboy mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I remember, you know, from what I know, Sir Alex took him to one side and said, look, if you want to kind of be here and you want to fulfil your potential, you, you've got to you've got to be professional about this. And, and, I, and I think, to your point, that you want to let your hair down, but there's so much riding on it now. And I know that you are now looking at getting into, you know, you're into coaching, development coaching, but you want to get into management as well. So how are you going to kind of manage and motivate this, this new football, this new breed? Because, you know, it ain't 1996 anymore. We're going to go in for a kickabout after a match. What, what do you think yeah. you're going to bring to help the next generation of footballers, Paul? Well, one, you've got to have uh, good management skills. Um, you've got to be a good motivator. So you've got to understand all the players. You've got to have a good coaching team around you as well that can take the pressure off you because yeah. I don't feel you can do it yourself. You have to have staff members around you that can um, take control of certain players as well and, and have their have their say and make sure that they're listening to what not only I'm saying, but my staff um, so, so for me, that's important. But I think the biggest one is the man management skills. You've got to understand the person. These, these, these kids nowadays, or, or anybody, you can't. Social media is massive. Yeah, you can't go and do things because people will record you. People will take pictures. So you've always got to be aware of what you're doing. Um, so that side of it doesn't really worry me because I know that 
obviously them themselves have got to, they've got to look after themselves as well. They've got to be mm. responsible. I can only do my job, which is in and around the training ground, uh, making sure that that professionalism, when they're in the building, is they're at it all the time and they're doing the right things and they're they're res- they're, they're respectful around the training ground and they're respectful to people. Um, so yeah, for me, it's um, the important thing for me is being that man manager and, and controlling things the right way. Yeah, and I think that's always been the case, isn't it? I, be, it's, I guess it's your style of man management or your style of leadership or coaching and all those other mm. elements that you've you've talked about. So when you um, when you kind of finished playing, and it must have been quite a bittersweet moment that your last game, and I know you had your family there to celebrate with you and everything else like that, and you kind of switched into this sort of coaching mentality. What was the what was the biggest adjustment that you had to to take, either in your own kind of approach or you know, you're no longer a player now, you're a coach. What what kind of adjustments did you have to make personally? Um, what helped me was is that I before I before I hung my boots up, I, I did the, the transition early. So I was playing and coaching. Um, so I found that I found that easier. For me, it, it cleared my mind of yes, it's going to be my last season playing, but I've got this to look forward to now. And I was gradually taking the under 18s, I was taking the 23s training. I was going to games to watch them and, and helping out on the touchline every now and then. So I got used to that feeling of what it would be like. Yeah. Um, obviously, you, you don't know what it's going to be like until you hang your boots up and um, you're then sitting in, in a different colour kit. You're not, you're not with the first team players anymore that you've spent so many years with and you've had the laughs and the jokes in the change rooms and you've enjoyed the, the, enjoyed the wins, but you've also... You, you've um, had the disappointments of being around each other. Um, so yeah, I, I missed that side of it, but it was what I wanted to do. And it's, and it was, it, the transition helped me massively. I think that definitely helped me doing that. Yeah. And, and I guess the FA now, I mean, there's a, there's a whole curriculum, isn't there, for getting your, your badges and everything else like that. Yeah. So, so really kind of structured, but, but of course, coaching is not going to be for every, every player, um, uh, but for you, it very much is. And it's playing on those strengths because, now you've you've been sort of captain. You've been leader. You've been you've got all that that you that you can you can bring, which I, I think is is going to be so beneficial to those under your tutelage. It's uh, but it's not easy, is it? I mean that transition, but yeah. having a phase transition, I guess guess helps in that. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it definitely so, has that transition easier, much easier. Yeah, yeah, and so I mean going forward, let's let's go back into some of uh, your, your past then, Paul. And you know, this is the kind of fan in me, I guess, talking. It's <laughs> it's interesting. What 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 the listeners won't know is that I mean, I I, I was on the terraces in the northeast terrace back in the day in in, in the mid seventies, and then I joined the army in nineteen eighty seven. And then left in sort of 2005. And so I didn't really follow the Hornets at all for that period. And, and it was so funny because I, I met your wife on, on that course that we were doing. And uh, a, a couple of weeks in, she said, you haven't put two and two together yet, have you? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, my, my husband's Paul and he played for Watford. I was like, it's those lost years for me that you played. <laughs> which I, I, I've learned more about your career now because my son got me back into football. I tell you what. So George, when he was five, was watching the South African World Cup. And he said, Dad, can you take me to a football match? And I was like, okay. And I hadn't really kind of kind of got, I've always been a Watford fan, but I wasn't a real fan during that, that period. And so I, I took him to the Medeski Stadium in Reading, which is not far from where I live here. And, and we went to see Reading versus Notts Forest, I think. And it was fine. And he was, he was loving it. I couldn't really kind of get going. So we went for another match at Medeski. 
And again, it wasn't really happening for me. And so I said, son, why don't I take you up to Vicarage Road, back to Watford, and just you can see where daddy used to go and hang out. Mate, the moment I walked back in that stadium, it just <laughs> hit me like a ton of bricks, everything I'd missed in those years. And yeah. so... I mean, there's, there's, the connection with football is incredible. I mean, and football has a lot of its faults, but what it brings, it brings people together. But just that sheer emotion, um, you know, to be playing, like you say, the goosebumps you feel. But as a fan, I felt it as well. And then we've gone hard over back to being a season ticket holder. And my wife now says, where's this football fan that I'm married? Because this is a part of <laughs> you that I didn't know. And it's those kind of, I call them the, the Paul Robinson lost years. So, um, <laughs> so, so for me then, and, and our listeners, what would you say were the the, the, the the real kind of highlights for you playing at Watford uh, and all that you went through, those 250-odd caps? What, what kind of memories really stick out for you, though, though either matches or moments? or um, Obviously, the promotions, the, the, the back-to-back promotions when we got promoted from the, which was then the League Two, is now the, obviously the League One. Um, well, it's championship now. And then yeah. getting promoted to the, to the Premiership was um, an incredible, for a group of players that, Graham never really changed. He believed in the group. He kept that core together. And we had a real good team spirit. And Graham was the type of manager, he's, well, if it's not broken, don't need fixing. So he left it. He he just gradually, when we got to the Premier League, he wanted to add uh, the little bit of quality that you needed. Um, but it didn't quite work out for some reason or another. I, I don't think many players wanted to come to to Watford because they probably looked at us as we wasn't a big club. Um and it wasn't their style of football that they wanted to be involved in. So we found that quite tough, but they were the great years for me. Obviously, coming through the academy was a special moment. Um, to make my debut at 17 was a, was a dream come true, even after getting on the pitch after three minutes. was a, was I didn't even have any time to get scared because I'd literally finished my warm-up. Yeah. The game had started and it was, Robbo, you're going on. Graham Taylor yeah. just turned. And I was like, Really? Yeah, you're going on. So you didn't have that chance to get nervous. It was right. And it was Luton. So it was my local rivals. So I knew I couldn't go into it nervous. I knew I had to go in there, all guns blazing and just play my play to the best of my ability to what I what I've been doing throughout the academy. It's all them great memories, obviously, the disappointment of relegation. Um the changes of managers over the years. I've worked with some, I mean, unbelievable managers at Watford. When you talk of the Ray Lewintons, Graham Taylor, Kenny Jacket, um, obviously Viali come in. I mean, it was it was great for me because of the the person that he was. But it was such a difficult time for the club, and with the way that we were spending ridiculous amounts of money, it just it made it impossible for the club to. Which thankfully they survived, but it looked like they was not going to survive, and it was going to be a yeah. real hard kick in the teeth towards Watford with with what was going to happen. So yeah, I mean, that time then when I left Watford was was not my choice. It was forced upon me to leave, um, an option that me and my wife really didn't want to take. Yeah, but it's football, and the thing for me was is I wanted my club to survive, and I'd, I'd grown up as a homegrown boy in Watford yeah, um, and it was going to go into administration. So I knew that whatever fee that they accepted, I had to move on and, and I had to make sure that that club got the money to make sure they stayed secure for a little, the time being. Yeah. I mean, yeah, really tough decision. And, you know, thankfully if you think about where the club is now with the potsos and the investment, I mean, the, stadium is just unrecognisable, isn't it? Yeah. From the old East yeah. stand and, and everything else like that. But, um, 
That's interesting. That that so it's it's a it's a bitter disappointment to you, but it's a principled decision. You absolutely understand it because it's all about the club's survival, uh, and yet yeah. you, you you continue to go on and and have a flourishing career, and and then you, you find yourself. Uh, tell me about the um the, the great escape. Um, didn't you get goal of the season that that season as well? Um, I did. Yeah, I got goal yeah. of the season for a header against the Villa, the local rival, like yeah, one of exactly. the, one of the rivals. It's yeah. not the local rivals because that's Blues Villa. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, um, uh, incredible, incredible scenes at the end of it. A lot of emotion. And this is um, at West Brom, yeah. This is at West Brom, yeah. yeah. But just because of the fact is that there was so much pressure, so much pressure on a group of players to perform to the highest standard against world class players week in week out and for the possibility of people losing their jobs, good people behind the scenes who, again, a lot of people don't see is that when, when you're fighting relegation, there's jobs at stake as well. And it's not just players leaving or moving on. It's, it's the security people, it's the cleaners, it's people working at the ground, um, marketing. Then people lose their jobs because of the fact is that the club will need to move on and change things. So there's all that pressure that's put on you as players to go out there and get the results. And, the last day was it, it. It was. It felt like we'd won the league. It was that. Yeah. It was that much pressure and that much emotion. It felt like we'd just been promoted. But you, you look back and it was actually we just survived relegation. And so it literally came down to the last game of the season, didn't it? Last game of the season, yeah. Last game of the season. It was. And, and so it was between us and Charlton, um, and they had last game. They ended up who they were playing scored an equaliser to make it two two, and we went we went above them. Amazing, amazing. So yeah, actually, the I mean, it was in your hands as much as you control. Let's just go and get the win, or we'll do what we need to do. But ultimately, was it left in the hands of another club yeah. to determine your fate? Yeah, it was left. It, well, it was all the other clubs. So we were rock bottom going into the last game of the season. Yeah, and then the, it, the table kept changing as the results were coming in. Amazing, uh, amazing. So for, for a fan. Can you imagine for a fan as well? Because yeah. you're on the edge of your seats thinking, oh my God, they've just scored. Oh no, we're going down. So no, oh, they just equalised. We're staying up. It's... Yeah, yeah. Oh, my and you God. can hear that when you're yeah. playing. You can hear the fans. You can hear them going, they're losing. We're staying up like that. But we're obviously, we're just focusing on doing our job. Thankfully, we did. We won 2-0 against Portsmouth. But when you're hearing everything coming back and forth, back and yeah. forth, you're then you're not sure what's going on. So it's. So I'm guessing. I mean, you feel that energy. You you, you yeah. get a sense of the high, the low, and everything else like that. So now, Paul, I, I know. I mean, it'll be too easy for you to say, look, yeah, you just kind of you, you manage it. But give us a sense of how how do you personally manage that? You know, I know you can only speak about you. I mean, you're, you're a leader. Mm. You're trying to get. But how do you personally manage that that pressure? You've talked about all those different kind of stakeholders, if you like that. Are, but it's the fans, it's everything else like that. How do you how do you keep that together? You just focus. You get yourself in a you get yourself in your own little world. You focus on your own game. What what I what do I need to do today? Um, I need to make sure that I'm doing my job to my best ability. I'm not letting my teammates down. I'm not making mistakes. So it's that focus. I'm going into that game 100 percent focused. Because if I'm ninety nine percent focused, I'm not there. Yeah, that one percent makes a difference because that one percent you could make that mistake and the opposition could score, or it could lead to a goal from from you making an error of like a silly little pass. So I knew that I needed to be every game one hundred percent focused on what my job was. 
Yeah. Um, so that was that was the mo- the most important thing for me. Is and then I was then if I knew I was one hundred percent focused, I made sure that everyone else on that football pitch was one hundred percent focused as well. So I'd be that leader and telling them if there was like a like a fifty fifty pass that I knew that that one could do it one hundred percent. You just give them that little bit of encouragement, going like, "Come on, I know you can make that pass, so make sure you're making it." Yeah, it's just them little bits of information that you pass it on. You're not being aggressive towards the, your teammate. You're just encouraging them to letting them know is that get the nerves out your system. Yeah, we don't we don't need to be showing nerves. We need to be we need to be in this together. And if we get we, if we get our job done and we get the result, then we've done our job. We just then need to rely on everyone else around us to do their jobs as well. So I guess there's a lot of, you know, you've got to do the best that you can and then trust that everyone else on the pitch is doing that. But then as the yeah. leader is just to keep keep it all kind of gelled together, isn't it? Because, I mean, I can imagine, I mean, just for us, you could really lose it in that environment when there's so much riding on it. Just taking the, the Great Escape as an example, but any match day, really, you know, yeah. you've got the, the fans on your back or whatever. It's, it's all a head game, isn't it? Because physically... Definitely. You know, you're all, you know, I don't mean this bad, but you're much of a much this. You're really kind of fit individuals. And like any sport, it comes down to, you know, the the, the team ethos and also the individual yeah. kind of mindsets within that. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, during this this lockdown, have you, have you kind of been taking part in the old Netflix and watching? Have you seen The Last Dance mm-hmm. with um, Michael Jordan? Have you seen all that about... Uh... Do you know what? I haven't, but I've heard so many great things about it and I need to. Um, yeah. We've not really watched much telly, to be fair, Peter. We've we've been doing other things. I mean, I've been on a lot of webinars. I've been I've been doing a lot of other studying with certain things. So that's been taking my mind off of football. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I need to I need to catch up on this because Michael Jordan. I mean, what what a legend he is, and he's a he's an inspiration to everybody with with the way that he led, the way he drove the team forward, and. Yeah. And a team that no one expected to win so many things, but by yeah. his leadership, they did. And they proved a lot of people wrong, which is, which for me is brilliant because you need to start proving people wrong. And that's the best motivational thing about it is that all them people that say you can't do it, there you go. We can do it. Yeah. So they're, yeah. the, they're, they're the best things for me. And they're, they're the documentaries that I love watching. I love watching them ones that are real. They're true. They're, they're what it's all about. It's a meaning. Yeah, it, it's um, so yeah, I need to I need to catch yeah. up on it. I Go check it out, because I mean, just everything you've just talked about there, you'll see in the last dance, you know, and it's uh, it's it's quite quite incredible. And I think those those that are at the top of their game are the ones that I mean, you can manage that emotion, you can manage yeah. that pressure, and everything else like this. Now, what I do know about you, Paul, is that you know, um, so on on you know Facebook, Instagram, and everything else like that. Whenever I see uh, a post by you, there's always universally. Uh, positive comments about you and your character from Watford fans, West Brom fans, Bolton fans, Leeds fans. What is it that connect, you managed to connect so well with the fan base? Because th- there's something to get all those different clubs, fan bases, all agreeing on one thing is that actually, mm-hmm. you know, they, they kind of loved you. What, what is, I mean, it might make you feel uncomfortable, <laughs> but yeah, but, but what is it about Robbo that kind of connected with the fans, do you think? Sometimes they love me, Peter. Yeah, all yeah, the I time. Um, I, I, for me, what's important is when you go to a new club, you've you've got to understand the club. You've got to understand what the fans, what they're all about, what they expect from a player. Um, 
not only on the pitch, but off the pitch, as in meet and greets and, and having photos taken and going to sort of surprises where they're not expecting you to turn up. You have to understand the club that you're signing for. That's For me, that's the most important thing. Because if you go to a club and you know nothing about it, the fans will straight away get on your back. Um, and I feel that's what I had with every club. Obviously, Watford was easier for me because I was homegrown. Yeah. Um, but I loved the community. The community Graham Taylor instilled within the players um, was special. And I think that's what instilled it in me growing up was every club. I understood Graham with what he wanted as a man and, and how he wanted the club to be seen as not only as being it professional, but also working within the, the community and, and how we conducted ourselves around people. And I wanted to take that into every other club that I went to. And, and I did. Yes, there's obviously a different element then to when you're playing because you've got to then go and produce on the football pitch. Yeah. So my passion, I showed I had a winning mentality and that was that was my biggest drive was I was a winner. I hated losing. I didn't talk to any people. If I lost, I didn't. I ignored Caroline, the kids. I, would, I wouldn't talk to them for 24 hours if we lost because that was my mentality and I, I hated losing. I, yeah. I hated that, that feeling of not getting three points at the weekend or on a Tuesday night. Um, so yeah, the connection. So I wanted the connection. If I lost, I would go and clap the fans, no matter if they were booing me, if they were if they were throwing things at me. I I I, I didn't. It, it didn't. It didn't bother me. It didn't yeah. bother me because I wanted to show appreciation to the fans that they paid money to go and watch you play. So it was that respect to them as I wanted to respect them back by clapping, even though we did lose. Yeah, and and I think as a speaking as a fan, that if I think if fans see you make the effort to understand them but also, you know, appreciate the fact that they've given up their hard-earned cash and they're there on a Tuesday night or whatever. Absolutely. I mean, that's... that's. But that goes back to your kind of man management piece, that, that leadership piece and everything else like that. So, so Paul, what, yeah. what's next for you, mate? Tell me about what, what plans you've got for the future. Well, I feel I've had two great years now in working with the academy. I was assistant under-23s manager at Birmingham last year. This year, I'm the under-18s manager, so I've had a good, a good experience of of what to, the club's all about and how I see working things. And for me now, I I only see myself as the next step is being a manager or working along a first team manager and and getting that experience at the highest level in coaching. Um, and that's how I feel I'm going to develop now. I feel my development now is is that next step. But from it's it's getting the opportunity. That's what I find is the toughest bit to deal with is that yes I've had all the experience of playing over so many years and people can look at oh well you, you played for that long but I want to take that into my coaching now I want to pass on all my experiences to not only still first team players but to the youth coming through and I know there's a lot of youth that can get into the first team now and I want to help them I want to help them develop I want them to have good careers and, I, and that's my pathway now my next step for me is being a manager at the highest level yeah, and uh, does that involve um, sort of coaching badges and stuff like that? Have you have you got all that, or are you sort of still pursuing those? Yeah, I've, no, I've got all my coaching badges, so I've got all my A license, I've got my B, my A. Um, I just need to do my pro license now, which will then allow me to manage abroad. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my next step is to get the pro license. But at the moment, I just want to be given the chance of working in and around the first team. Yeah, yeah, that's my yeah. goal. And, and absolutely, I'm, I'm sure you make a, an excellent manager and any club will be blessed to have you. But as you said, you know, being prepared to work alongside and and, and just, in, and it's, it, I think that's the right attitude to, to have. And, yeah. uh, and if, if you bring the 
passion to management that you brought to your playing career, then yeah, stand by. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. That so we're getting towards the end of our of our time, Paul. And you know, I could chat to you all day, mate. But um, this is the, the give yourself a chat podcast. You know, there's there's a lot. It's that moment where you know we, that inner game. How do we manage it? How do we you know self talk to to kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps or when we feel like just taking the easy way out, we don't because, you know, we give ourselves a chat. What does that mean for you? You know, if you think back to your experiences, how, how do you give yourself the chat, Paul? Give myself the chat. I think you, you've, you've, like you say, that focus that I've talked about, you need to get yourself in your own headspace. You can't worry about the noise. You can't worry about what anyone else is thinking. It's you. You, that person, you've got to be fully focused on what you do. I mean, I'm a big visualizer as well. I like to visualize. I like to meditate. I like to to go away and have my own little 15-minute space and switch off and bring my, myself back down to earth, um, make me appreciate everything in life that's important. Um, and also, it's a game. It's a game of football that we shouldn't get ourselves too carried away with, but we do. Um, so, yeah, for me... That visual, visualization is massive. The meditation and the focus for me, the three big things for me with, with what I would, that's how I would say would have a chat with myself is in my own head, have them chats by doing that. Yeah, it's just managing that. Yeah, yeah, it's so easy to say. It's only a game, but you, you try telling. Yeah, yeah, you try telling the, you know, the, the, the Robbo yeah. that hates losing. It's only a game. You try telling the, the fan, you know, having watched it, it's only a game. But you have to mm. remind yourself of, and we're blessed that we can enjoy it. And you know, it's coming back this week, so. You know, George yeah. and I are going to be watching any game that's on TV. We'll watch paint dry if it's anything. <laughs> you know. um, and he's hoping, he's hoping that when, by the time we next chat, you know, Watford is still a Premier League club and, uh, and whatever. But on behalf of every football fan that's listened to this, Robert, thanks very much for your, your time, your service to all those clubs. And as a Hornets fan, thank you for what you did for, for my club. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Peter. You're welcome, See you soon. Take care. Take care. Well, that's it. I can finish this podcast now, never record another episode, and I'll be a very happy man. Uh, what a privilege it was to interview Paul Robinson, Watford legend, you know, Watford born and bred, a club I've supported for 40 plus years. And just an amazing opportunity to chat with somebody who has had so much experience, not only of playing the game, but leading in the game as well and wanting to go on to, to management. I'm just sure Robbo would make a, a, an amazing manager who just understands players and fans and clubs and, and what it means to be passionate and what it means to, to care so much about this beautiful game. And with football coming back this weekend, what a great time to interview him. So if you'd like to um, find out more, come and connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, suggest other guests that you'd like me to uh, approach and get on the show. And indeed, any subject you'd like me to cover. Um, but for the time being, look after yourselves and I'll see you on the next one.